Sometimes moms can be pretty hard on themselves. Sometimes moms feel like a failure. At times, maybe dwelling on the faults and the disappointments and maybe thinking more on the negative than on the positive. And you need to know, moms, how important you are. You need to know you are not a failure. You need to know that your love and your life have made a huge difference in your family's life. And uh, I want us to look at a woman this morning in scripture who made a huge difference. And uh, she made a difference in the life of her child and she made a difference in the life of her husband. And it's not your typical Mother's Day passage at all. It's actually found in the book of Judges, chapter 13. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Judges, chapter 13. And we're going to find some very unique insights and some applications on mothering and marriage. And that's what I've titled this message, On Mothering and Marriage. Now, a little context of the book of Judges. The nation of Israel is in rebellion. They are very far away from God. Uh, Basically, the mantra from the book of Israel is everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So they just did not care about God. They didn't care about the word of God. They didn't care about the will of God. And in this passage, we have the seventh recorded apostasy in Judges. And that's the longest one, 40 years away from God. We read about it in verse one of Judges 13. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines 40 years. And it's in this time of national apostasy that God will visit a woman, and she's a barren woman. She's unable to have a child. And God will promise her that she will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be the strongest of all of the judges. His name will be Samson. Read along with me, starting in verse 2 of Judges 13. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing, for behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. What do we learn about mothering? What do we learn about marriage? Well, first, when it comes to mothering, every baby is a special blessing and parenting is a privilege. Every single baby is a blessing, not to be taken for granted. And parenting is a very high privilege. We have a man, his name is Manoah. He lived in this town, Zorah, about 15, 14 miles southwest of Jerusalem. It's the highest point of the Shephelah, meaning the low country, as was close to the coastal plain where the Philistines, the enemies, lived. From the tribe of Dan, Zorah, this town, was in the original inheritance of the tribe of Dan. Most of the tribe had moved north to the Hulda Valley. Only a clan or two remained in the original tribal inheritance, and this man is a part of those clans. He has a wife. She's nameless. We're never given her name. No recognition. Just a behind-the-scenes wife and a behind-the-scenes mom who makes so much difference. She's childish. No, she's not childish. Her husband's childish. (laughs) She's childless. She's barren. 
And I want you to understand, babies were a very big deal, especially in biblical times. Babies were protection for the family. They supported the family trade. They provided security in old age. They carried on the family name and the inheritance in the promised land. And they were a sign of divine favor. I want you to understand, be grateful for every single child. Be grateful. Not everyone can conceive and give birth. Not everyone has children. Be thankful to God if you have a child. Psalm 127, 3 and 5, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I think there's a lesson here for us to learn in that we need to be very, very sensitive to those who are without children. We need to be very, very sensitive to those who cannot have children. Mother's Day can be very hard, extremely hard for many women. Many women go through years of the frustration of infertility, waiting month by month to see if maybe, possibly, they could be pregnant. And month by month, they're not. We need to be sensitive. Some ladies face the pain of a child that they have lost, a baby that has died. We need to be sensitive to them. There are ladies who've gone through the horror of having an abortion, and they regret that decision for the rest of their life and the shame that goes with it. And we need to be sensitive and loving toward those women. It's one reason why we encourage women to keep their babies. It's one reason why a group of people at our church will go out and stand at the Planned Parenthood and pray and intercede with love and sensitivity for those moms before they make that decision. And I would encourage you to do that, to think about it and pray about it. There's many moms that live with that regret. But there is hope and there is forgiveness. Psalm 86.5, read this with me. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. And that may be you this morning. Maybe you're one of those women that need to call out to God because he will forgive you and he will save you. And by the way, we, we support Pregnancy Information Center in Aurora and they have a study called Forgiven and Set Free for Post-Abortive Women. And I would encourage you to contact them or our church and we'll give you information on that. But we live in a nation where an unborn baby is seen as a disposable item as an inconvenience. And I want you to understand, an unborn baby is a miracle of God. An unborn baby is a blessing from the Lord. We have a barren woman longing for a baby, and we have this childish woman who receives good news. Look at verse 3. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said, Behold, now you are barren and have no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. The angel of the Lord, a theophany, the pre-incarnate Christ, the Lord himself, In verse 17 and 18, he'll tell them that his name is wonderful, meaning beyond understanding. Later on in verse 20, he will ascend in the flame to heaven and he will perform wonders. And Isaiah 9, 6 even tells us that his name is wonderful. So we have God himself. And God promises her a baby. Behold, now you are barren and have no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. It's as if God weds her wishes with his will. She longs for a child. He wants a deliverer. And both will be seen in the person and the baby, the man, Samson. God is sovereign over the womb. He enables conception to take place. 
We see in scripture that he is sovereign. He opens the womb and he closes the womb. Conceiving and bearing a child is a privilege not to be taken for granted, but marveled at with great humility toward the creator. When it comes to mothering, every baby is a blessing and parenting is a privilege. When it comes to mothering, I want you to understand that dedication begins in utero. It means it begins in the womb. We had many families in the first service and this service with a wonderful public display of dedication of their babies and their children with gratitude to God. But I want you to understand, dedication doesn't start on this platform. Dedication begins in the womb of that mother. And we see this with Manoah's wife. A special in utero instruction is given to her in verse 4. Be careful not to drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing, for behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So very clearly we see that what goes into mom's body affects the baby's body. No one has greater influence on baby before birth or after birth than mom. And her lifestyle, her character, and her diet directly impact her child. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, as well as the Journal of American Medical Association, between one and two babies born every hour in this nation, they are born addicted to prescription drugs, heroin, cocaine, morphine, and the list goes on. And that addiction of those little babies to those drugs has tripled in the last 10 years. 40,000 babies a year in the United States are born with fetal alcohol syndrome. 40,000. 10% of all births in the U.S. are affected by tobacco use. It's 400,000 babies a year. For some of those babies, it stunts their growth, and there's birth defects, seizures, delayed thinking, speech, movement, fine motor skills, impaired language development, and memory problems. Dedication, it begins in utero. That's where it starts. And we learn this from this woman, Manoah's wife. She is careful. She will be placed under a Nazarite vow. And you may say, well, what does it mean to be a Nazarite? What does it mean to be under this vow? Well, Nazarite, believe it or not, means set apart, devoted, consecrated. It's the Hebrew for that word. And so this is a special vow of separation to God. And for this, it's, it's found in the book of Numbers chapter 6, verse 2 through 6. But understand, that they could have no fermented drink, no wine or strong drink, anything to do with the grape, not even the seed of the grape, not even the skin of a grape, like no grape jelly even. Stink, man, but anyway. <laughs> no unclean food, dietary restrictions according to the law, no cutting of the hair. These kids were hairy kids. I mean, really hairy. And as they grew, no cutting of the beard is either. either. No touching dead bodies. Well, that was to keep them ritually clean, ceremonial clean, religiously. You may say, well, how long would a Nazarite vow last? For some 30 days, for some 100 days. We read for Samson in Judges 13, 7, the boy will be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. From the beginning of the end, all his days he would be a Nazarite. Moms, you lay the groundwork before your babies are even born. You lay the groundwork. Your child's well-being begins in the womb. It starts with who you are as a woman. Your character, your commitment to God, your daily habits, your discipline in life. That's where it begins 
when they're in the womb. Because no one can raise a baby like mama can raise a baby. And mom's influence is the most important influence. Never underestimate how important you are to those kids. Never underestimate how important your responsibility is. And so we rise up and bless you as those in Proverbs 31 do. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her saying, men say it with me. Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. We also see that God has plans for the baby. And God has plans for your little baby and for your children. He should begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. That was for Samson. He was set apart, appointed by God from birth. So was Samuel, so was John the Baptist. God has a purpose and plan for your children. God wants you to raise these kids for the glory of God. God wants you to raise these kids for the service in the kingdom of God. Raise your kids for the glory of Almighty God and raise them to serve their God. Psalm 139, 16, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. God has days and plans ordained from eternity past for your kid. Be in line with the plans of God's ordination for your children. So when it comes to mothering, every baby is a blessing and parenting is a privilege. Dedication begins in utero in the womb. What about marriage? Well, when it comes to marriage is the next thing I want you to look at with me. The first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is this. You may want to write these notes down for your husband. Men are not more important than women. Ladies, say it with me nice and loud. Men are not more important. Ladies, stand and say that with me. Come on, let's stand. Ready? All ladies, stand. Come on, you ready? Here we go. Men are not more important than women. And all the ladies said, amen. Amen. Now, I want you to notice who this, we're going to have a rebellion on our hands. Listen to this. Notice who the spiritually privileged one is in this passage. Verse 3, the angel of the Lord appeared to who? The woman. Verse 6, the woman came and told her husband, saying, a man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. Well, where am I in this? Look at verse 9. The angel of God came again to the woman as she was sitting in the field, by, but Manoah, her husband, where was he? He wasn't with her. I want you to notice the angel of the Lord appeared to her, not him. She is given special insight. She is privileged with special information. She was the point person God makes contact with. Women are not second-class spiritual citizens. We have way too many male chauvinists in this world who miss this. And you may say, well, what is a chauvinist? A chauvinist is a man whose behavior and attitude toward women indicate a belief that they are innately inferior to men. Guys, it's time to be chivalrous, not a chauvinist. It's time to be a gentleman, not a judge. You and I need to, guys, remember, very importantly, God's word. God's word as found in 1 Peter 3, 7. Listen to these words. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. As with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. I want us guys to learn something about this passage. 
God says live with your wives in an understanding way. You know what that means, guys? It's time to be more patient with your wife. It's time to be more kind to your wife. It's time to be understanding instead of demanding. Live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. What does that mean? That means we need to be sensitive toward our wives. It means to be gentle. She's not one of the guys. Don't treat her like one of the guys. Now, when God says she's weaker, this is not a put down. I want you to get this, ladies and men. See, the illustration I like to use is is a woman is a precious china teacup. If you drop her, what happens? She shatters. A guy is a plastic coffee mug. (laughs) If you drop him, what does he do? He bounces, you pick him up, slop him around, big deal. (laughs) Guys, you can't treat her like that. You're the plastic stained dirty mug, okay? She's the china teacup. And God says, you need to recognize the difference between men and women. And differences are good. It's okay to be different. But start treating her gently and kindly in an understanding way, the way you talk to her. Be gentle. The way you act toward her, be gentle. Now look what God says here. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. You know what God says? She's equal with you. She is a fellow heir. You are not better than her. She is a fellow heir of the grace of life. She is just as much a child of God as you are. You're not better than her. Stop acting like you're better than her. You're not. You're a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now, if we don't treat our wives in an understanding way and be patient and kind and we're not sensitive and gentle and we're not treating her as equal, God has something to say. He says at the end of verse seven in 1 Peter three, so that your prayers will not be hindered. In other words, God says, listen, gentlemen, I don't listen to a thing you say if you don't treat your wife the right way. I want you to get this, guys. Because some of you have been wondering why God doesn't answer your prayer. It's because of the way you treat your wife. Some of you men have been wondering why God seems absent in my life. It's because God is saying this. Nah, 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 I'm not listening to a thing you say. That's why. Because God says if you can't get your act together on the horizontal with your wife, it's never going to be vertically right with me. He says, you guys better get this. You've been wondering why, why, why your business is going under and I keep praying about it and nothing's changing and you've been wondering about your finances and you've been wondering about your health and you, it just might be because you don't know how to treat your wife. And God is saying, I am not gonna listen to you until you start treating her in a gentle way and an understanding way and in a sensitive way because she is not one of the guys. She is your wife. Now, She's equal, and I want you to understand, equal doesn't mean there's no differences. See, we we live in a nation and in a world that's so backwards when it comes to men and women. We are equal, but we're different, and different is good. Men are different than women, and women are different than men, and there's a lot of confusion in the United States of America right now, people. 
And God is saying, I want to clear up the differences, that there are differences, and it's okay to be different. God has wired us differently. And I want you to notice the first difference I see in this passage, verse 6. This cracks me up. The woman came and told her husband, saying, a man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. And I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me. What? This drives me crazy as a man. What do you mean you didn't ask his name? You didn't find out where he's from? You didn't offer? Who cares? First, this is so my wife. (laughs) This is so my wife. We laughed about this. The first thing I would have asked, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you want? How can I help you? And what do you do for a living? I I mean, I'd have grilled the guy. My wife, doesn't matter, doesn't, that's not important, doesn't, not a big deal. Men and women are so different, and it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. And, and there's differences, I believe, Scripture teaches in roles and responsibilities. And it doesn't make us unequal. It just makes us different. I believe on a whole that women are much more nurturing, much more caring, and much more loving. I think... My kids prove it. It's a miracle they're still alive when I was in charge of watching them. (laughs) My wife is much more nurturing, much more caring. It's that motherly instinct. I think on a whole, men are better at leading and providing and taking charge. I think that's how God has wired us. It's not a slam on women. Understand that. And that doesn't mean women can't lead at times and provide either. God is saying, embrace your differences. I've designed men different than women, and I've designed women different than men. And it doesn't mean you're not equal. It means you're different with different roles and different responsibilities. Embrace who God has made you to be. Embrace how God has made you to be. I am so tired of the political correct nonsense in this nation. Men and women are different, and that's okay. It's okay. And by the way, you're the light in this dark world. And there's so much confusion in the schools and there's so much confusion at places of work and there's so much confusion. Be the light to teach the truths of God's word in love and with sensitivity, but with a boldness and with a courage. Manoah's wife we see is the spiritually privileged one and the other thing that I see here is sometimes us men just don't get it. We can be thick-headed. We, we can be. Well, not me, the other guys, and not you, the other guys. <laughs> and, and, and I love this. I, I love this. Manoah insists that he has to hear it for, for himself. I don't care what my wife says. I need to hear it for myself. Now, I know that never happens in your home, but some homes it happens. He's not going to take his wife's word on it. <laughs> Look at verse 8. Manoah entreats the Lord... It says, oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you have sent come to us again, come to us again, that he may teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. In other words, I don't trust that she got it right. Are you sure this is what he said, honey? I don't think you you don't think you understood fully, and, and I don't know if you got the full story. Guys, we need to learn to listen, and we need to learn to trust our wives. So God answers. Look at verse 9. God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to who? To the woman as she was sitting in the field. Manoah, her husband, was not with her. In other words, I'm going to go back to her, not you, and I'm going to tell her the exact same thing. Just to teach you a lesson, Mr. Thick-Headed Husband. Now, what I do love about this passage and this couple 
is you gotta admire the spirituality of Manoah and his wife. Remember the time period. This is apostasy and rebellion against God in every area in the nation of Israel. I mean, this nation has turned its back on God and it's filled with idolatry and blasphemy. And they teach us a very important lesson. Listen up, Americans. No matter what direction your nation goes, you keep living for God. No matter what direction your nation goes, you keep believing in God. No matter what direction this nation goes, you keep praying to God and seeking your God. There has always been a remnant of believers. Be the remnant. No matter how evil and awful this nation gets, you be the remnant. They are the remnant. And they are believing and seeking God. I love the words of Joshua 24, 15. Say it with me. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the attitude. Now, men are not more important than women. Here's another lesson. There are times husbands need to follow their wives. There are times, guys, you need to follow the leading of your wife. In other words, swallow your pride. Look at verse 10. The woman quickly, she ran quickly, told her husband, behold, the man who came the other day has appeared to me. Verse 11. Then Manoah arose and what? Followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said, are you the man who spoke to the woman? He said, I am. Now, I love the fact that there was quick, clear communication in their marriage. Oh, that's good right there. You can't have a good marriage unless you have good communication. You will never have a good marriage unless you have good communication. And she is quick with her communication and very clear in her communication. And she doesn't hide anything from him or withhold anything from him. Do not withhold things from your spouse. Do not hide things from your spouse. Have open communication and clear communication. It is impossible to have a good marriage if you don't have good communication. Be open and be honest. What does it do? It, it builds trust and it develops relationship and, and, and you work as a team and, and spend face-to-face time together. Face-to-face time together. And husbands, be humble. God put Manoah in a position where he needed to be humble, where he needed to listen to his wife and then he needed to follow his wife. And he did it. And we know what Bible teaches about submission and a, and a woman placing herself under the authority of her husband. Understand that. But there are also truths taught like Ephesians 5.21 where we are to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Men are not more important than women and there are times for husbands to follow their wives. And here's another one. Dads need to support moms in their role as mom. We need to support those women in their role as a mom. Look at verse 12. Manoah said, Now when your words come to pass, what shall be the boy's mode of life and his vocation? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Let the woman pay attention to all that I've said. She should not be eating uh, anything that comes from the vine or drink wine or strong drink, and nor eat anything unclean. Let her observe all that I commanded. So the angel of the Lord reiterates the same exact truths he's already spoke to the woman and it's almost as if he's holding Manoah accountable 
to help make it happen. Be there to support her. Be there to encourage her. I think we got too many men that abandoned the kids to mom. That's her job. We got too many men who father children but don't help raise their children. In other words, to say it another way, God wants more than your sperm. He wants more than your sperm. He wants your time, gentlemen. And he wants your effort. And he wants your love. And he wants your sacrifice. And he wants your oversight. Husbands need to encourage their wives in their role as a mom. We have too many moms that feel abandoned. And dad's not stepping up to help parent. We have too many moms carrying the full weight of the home. And it's as if God is saying enough is enough. You need to support your wife in her role as a mom. You need to help her and guide her and pray for her and encourage her. Parenting is partnership. Say it with me. Parenting is partnership. Dads, you and I have a role in raising our kids. Well, where's that in Scripture? So glad you asked. Deuteronomy 6, we'll start in verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Dads, it starts with your spiritual walk with God. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Start living according to God's word. Start living for the Lord Jesus Christ, gentlemen. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. Oh, it's not all mom's responsibility, is it? And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So you have this consistent lifestyle of building into the lives of your children spirituality and the truths of God's word. That's your responsibility, guys. Not just moms. Oh, by the way, Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't be an overbearing ogre. Barking out commands. Being unfair, showing favoritism. But bring them up in what? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's your job, guys, not moms. Your job is to build into your children spiritually. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Protect the hearts of your kids. Don't exasperate them. Be careful not to be overbearing. And build into their lives spiritually. So men are not more important than women. And there's times husbands need to follow their wives. And dads need to support wives in their role as mom. And and partnering with them in parenting. And then one other thing I want you to notice. Men need to listen to their wives' voice of reason. Don't laugh, guys. Men, listen to your wives' voice of reason. And then we have this interaction, a little longer, verse 15 through 21, between Manoah and the angel of the Lord. And Manoah desires to show hospitality, and the Lord says no, make it an act of of offering to the Lord uh, instead. And Manoah inquires of his name and finds out it's wonderful, and then there's this miraculous fire and ascension into heaven of the angel of the Lord. And Manoah and his wife fall to the ground in verse 20 and 21, and they never see the angel of the Lord again. But I want you to notice the response in verse 22. So Manoah said to his wife, We will surely die, for we have seen God. They have fallen on their face, and he's freaking out. 
He's completely beside himself. He's in sheer panic and fright. He's certain that they are going to die. Death is imminent. And then you have this wonderful wisdom and demeanor of his wife. Look at verse 23. But his wife said to him, get a grip! If the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear these things, hear things like this at this time. What a contrast. You have Manoah, who's all emotional and uptight, and you have his wife, who's thoughtful. You have Manoah, who's fearful. You have his wife, who's practical. You have Manoah, who's irrational. And you have his wife, who is spiritual. Honey, he's not going to kill us. He wouldn't have accepted the offering. He wouldn't have shown us all these signs. He wouldn't have spoken all of these wonderful plans to us. You know what it teaches us? Is that sometimes guys are the emotional ones. We like to peg the women. Oh, they're so emotional. I want you to notice who's the emotional one here. It's the guy. Sometimes men are the ones crying, the sky is falling and seeing the glass half full and thinking worst case scenario. Honey, we're never going to be able to make it financially and what's the doctor going to say and and we're going to lose the kids and we're going to lose the house and I'm going to lose my job. And Sometimes it's the guys that are emotional and in a panic. It reminds me of the movie The Incredibles. You see Dash in the ocean. We're dead! We're dead! (laughs) And Helen Parr, the mom, says, Stop it! We are not going to die! Now both of you, get a grip or so help me, I'll ground you for a month. Understand? Sometimes us men act like scared little boys. And sometimes wives need to remind us Get a grip. A good wife speaks sense to her husband. And a good husband listens to his wife. A good wife will speak sense to her husband. And a good husband will listen to his wife. Ladies, speak sense when he's acting senseless. When he's all emotional. Maybe when he's far away from the Lord. Speak sense to your husband when he's acting senseless. And and build his faith when he starts freaking out. Build his faith when he starts freaking out. There's another movie I want to direct your attention to. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And the mom is giving advice to her daughter about marriage, and I love it. Let me tell you something, Tula. The man is the head, but the woman is the neck, and she can turn the head any way she wants. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Turn him, ladies, in a way that calms him. Turn him in a way that builds his faith. Turn him in a way that makes him now start to look to God and trust in his God. And by the way, they didn't die. God blessed Manoah and his wife with a little baby. Verse 24 and 25 The woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, meaning sunny or brightness. The child grew up and the Lord blessed him and the Lord, spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanath Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. And so God was doing a work. He was doing a work. On mothering, 
and marriage. What do we learn? When it comes to mothering, every baby is a blessing and parenting is a privilege. And dedication begins in the womb, begins in utero. How about when it comes to marriage? Men are not more important than women. We're different. There are times husbands need to follow their wives. Dads need to support moms in their role as mom and remember that parenting is partnership. And men need to listen to their wife's voice of reason. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage and the insights and applications we see in this marriage and in this home of Manoah and his wife. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just take a moment right now and talk to the Lord. You're a believer in Jesus Christ and and God has shared some truths and taught some things to you that maybe you need to reaffirm. Maybe you just need to give praise to God right now for the children that you have, the child that he has blessed you with because not everybody has a baby. Maybe you need to renew your commitment men to parenting with partnership. Maybe you just want to give thanks to God right now for your mom. For that woman she was behind the scenes pouring her life into you in so many ways. Just give thanks to God for your mom right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here this morning and truly you've never become a child of God. You've been a religious person, go to church from time to time. You need to understand the depth of God's love for you that he sent his son to die on the cross and that he wants to adopt you into his family. You can be a child of God. You can have forgiveness of your sins. And you may say, Scott, that's me. I want God in my life. I need forgiveness. What do I do? I would invite you right now to call out to God in faith. In the quietness of your heart, just place your faith in him. Just use words like these. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Lord, I can't save myself. Only you can save me. I place my faith in you and you alone. God, please forgive me. Please save me of all my sin. In Jesus' name, amen.